Welcome to Epic Week 2. This week is the battle for the heart. I love those clips and I love those epic heroes. And when we say epic, that's not like in the common parlance where you can have an epic sandwich, right? Or, or man, I'm having like an epic hair day. I mean, I mean I'm not. <laughs> Some of you might be. Right, but when we mean epic, we mean like the sprawling vastness of a story of good versus evil and the heroes that show up there. And we love them because they're strong, because they're self-sacrificing, because they're willing to take on the enemy and fight for the hearts of the ones they love. That's what makes the story so epic, that makes the hero so powerful. And actually, this is where we come in to God's epic story. You see, we saw last week how God had intended great beauty for his creation, but how there was a rebellion, a rebellion against God by one of his angels, something that he had created for beauty, who wanted to take control away from God. But before that happened, God had crafted something with all of the beauty that he intended for this place, a garden with the majesty of the plants and the animals and the stars and the sun and the moon, like Rivendell of the elves in Lord of the Rings or Pandora in the movie Avatar, all of the beauty and the goodness that God had designed. And into that place, God did something very special. He created you and me. Unique among all of his creation, we were made in God's image. And the reason for that is because in his epic story, we are the true love. God created us to love us. And he created us to love him, to be his friends, to be his allies. This is why when we think of the Garden of Eden, we see how it continues to be reflected in our desires, that we long for beauty. You know, that we long to be found beautiful. We long to be found brave. Those are the echoes of Eden in our hearts, of the God who created us to love us and created us to love him. But he also gave us something else. He gave us the freedom to love him. As we heard last week, Pastor Doug described how power can do a lot of things, but it can't force love. But God didn't want to. God wanted to win our hearts. God wanted us to choose to love him because that's a relationship. But you remember that enemy who betrayed God. That enemy came into the beauty and deceived us. And right in that place, human beings who God had created to be his lover betrayed him for the first time listened to the deceit of the enemy, sided with the enemy against God. But like an epic hero, God did not leave us in our betrayal. He wants to battle for our hearts. He wants to win us back. And so we find ourselves here in the second part of our story, the battle for the heart. You know, as we've been thinking about these movies, these epics, these stories that we love, you know, we love the adventure, we love the romance, we love the heroes, we love seeing the enemy go down, 
But a lot of times we don't think about our own stories that way. We don't think about our relationship with God that way. But, but what if we did? What if the reason that we love these so much is because God is telling a bigger story and he's built us into it? That there's something in our hearts that longs for that kind of adventure, that wants to know that kind of love with God, that wants to know what it looks like to see a real hero. You see, that's what this part of our epic is all about. That when that betrayal happened, each of us has taken part in it. And we don't often probably think about ourselves that way. But if you remember, one of the questions that we saw at the end of last week that the enemy brings in is this. Can the heart of God be trusted? If he's even up there, if he's real, if I'm going to accept anything that I find in these pages, first I need to answer that question. Can I trust God? Is, Is his heart really good? Is what he has planned for me really the best thing that could be planned for me? You see, the the enemy doubted that. The enemy wants us to doubt that. But God is going to demonstrate his heart to us by sending a hero who battles for our hearts. In fact, right there in the beginning of Scripture, in Genesis chapter 3, I'll just highlight a couple of verses here for you where God demonstrates that he is sending a hero. Because there's a moment when it tells the story of how Adam and Eve betrayed God and fell and darkness entered into the beauty that God had created that God immediately could have scrapped the whole project. But instead he says, I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send a Messiah, a Savior, a Fixer. And in Genesis 3 he describes it this way. The Lord God said to the serpent, that's our enemy, He, the hero, shall bruise your head And you shall bruise his heel. You see, there's a battle coming. And all the, oh, the enemy will get a bite out of the hero. The hero is going to crush his head. The hero is going to be victorious because the hero battles for our hearts to give us victory. The hero battles for our hearts to give us victory. And that's the heart of God. That's how God wants to answer this question. If his heart is good, if his heart is trustworthy, if he really loves us. And so the first thing we see about the hero is that the hero fights for the one he loves. I love this idea and we see it time and time again in our favorite stories. But did you know that this is exactly why Jesus was here? In fact, in his own words, Jesus put it this way in some of the most famous verses that come out of the Bible... John 3.16, but you have to take 17 with it. Listen to this, how Jesus describes his heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the hero's plan and the hero's motivation. In fact, as you read that first line, for God so loved the world, there's a couple different ways you you could read that. For God loved the world so much. He loved you so much. Or, Or another way is this. For God loved the world just so. God so loved the world in this way that he came 
that we might be saved through him. That this is how he's going to love you. That after all of the betrayal, after all of the misguidedness, after all the places that we ignore him or forget him, God says, I'm still going to fight for you because the hero fights for the ones he loves. This is William Wallace in Braveheart. Fighting for the woman he loves and for the freedom of his people. This is Maximus in Gladiator. Fighting for the woman he loves and the freedom of his people. This is God fighting for us because we are the one he loves and he wants our freedom. And you know, I think the first place that that this ever showed up to me in my own epic movie watching life was actually in 1967's The Jungle Book. Now, I saw the new one, and it was beautiful, and the the graphics were amazing, but 1967 Jungle Book (laughs) is the Jungle Book, (laughs) if you ask me. But there's a moment in there where you see the hero fight for the one he loves. And and this struck me so much as a child that I I still quote this movie to this day. You can ask my wife, you can ask my kids. For all they know, there are no other Disney movies. (laughs) Because Baloo is willing to take on the enemy. He fights the tiger, Shere Khan, to save Mowgli because he loves him. And in there, there's a moment where they think that Baloo has died. That he's made this ultimate sacrifice. And Bagheera, the panther, as he's kind of eulogizing him, he he says this, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, as a kid, I heard that and I thought... Man, is there a deeper truth than that? This is how much Baloo loved Mowgli. This is how much a friend could love that they would die for them. Imagine my shock when as I go through my own spiritual journey, I find out the Jungle Book is reading the Bible to me. (laughs) These are Jesus' own words to his followers about why he was here. His plan, what it was all about, what it meant for him that he was the hero, that he had such great love, that he was so going to demonstrate the heart of God that he would lay down his life for his friends. You see, that's how God loves you. Have you ever known somebody who would be willing to die for you? Do you love anybody so much you feel like you would die for them? You feel the depth of the love that grips your heart when you even try to imagine it. That's God's heart for you. You know, in my adult life, probably the movie that drove that home for me the most, because I'd seen how this resonated with my heart, uh, was Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy where Gandalf is willing to sacrifice for his friends because he sees that they're facing an enemy that is too strong for them. Let's watch this together. Gandalf was willing to give his life for his friends. You notice he, he didn't slip. He let go. And I love what you hear him say earlier in there, that, that this is a foe that is beyond any of you. See, the hero battles an enemy that is too strong for us. The hero battles an enemy that is too strong for us. 
It's Gandalf fighting the Balrog in Lord of the Rings. It's Neo versus the agents in the Matrix. When nobody else can take on this enemy, when for anybody else this is sure death, the hero is willing to take it on. Maybe think about what are some of the battles that are too strong for you. You I know that this is something I've processed a lot in my own life, but sitting here this morning, you may already be thinking, there's, a, there's an enemy? <laughs> like, am I really supposed to... There's a snake in the garden? That's, that's what I'm afraid of? Is that? It can sound a little bit strange, but we see this at work all around us. And sometimes the enemy is not clear to us. In fact, multiple authors throughout history, have, and no, no one's sure quite where the quote came from, but indicate that probably, if Satan was real, his greatest trick would be to convince people that he's not. So that we're not paying attention and we're not fighting back. But even if you don't take on that enemy, you can see the way the effects of the brokenness in the world come after us. When we have battles against anger and we lose them. When we face battles against temptation. When we face battles against broken situations, broken relationships, our own pride... We try to fight those battles. We want to win. We, we think we identify something. We want to do better. And we find ourselves losing time and time again. But there is a hero who's willing to battle the enemy that is too strong for us. In fact, you see God talk this way throughout all of Scripture. Not only there in Genesis 3, where he said that he was sending a hero to fight this enemy. But he also says in Deuteronomy, I said to you, do not be afraid Do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. Or again, in Psalm 18, David writes, Of God, he delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. Now think about that. If you want to know if the heart of God is good, if you want to know if he can be trusted, if you want to know as we pick up this book and try to figure out if God is real and if he is who he is, listen to these words. That when you face an enemy who is too strong for you, when you face temptations and situations and circumstances that you feel like you can't overcome, the hero will fight for you. The hero will go to battle for you. This is God showing us his heart that we do not need to fear the enemy no matter how powerful he may seem because the one who fights for us is stronger. The one who fights for us is more powerful and he wins our victory. Now, wait a minute right there. What do I need a hero for? The reality is, and I'll just speak for myself, I want to be the hero, right? I I want to be the one who powers up. I want to be strong. I want to feel like, you know, I'm the one who built this company. I'm the one who provides for this family. I'm the one who overcomes. I'm the one who will fight harder. I'm the one who will try harder. I want to be strong. You know, that's that's cultural for us. And that comes through in our movies too. Sometimes that's why we resonate the hero because we see someone we want to be like. You know, for me, one of the biggest of those is Batman. I've always loved Batman And I've always hated Robin. Can I just say that? (laughs) He doesn't need Robin. He's Batman. He's trained in like 38 martial arts. He's a genius. He can do everything on his own. 
He does not need this green and yellow, red-colored kid following him around and ruining everything. (laughs) That's just my personal opinion. But why? Because I love the idea of the solo fighter. You know, I love that, that strong, silent type who doesn't need anybody else because he is the hero. You know, maybe for you it's not Batman. Maybe you think of the cowboys of the Old West, men like John Wayne, who when everything else was falling apart, here was one man. You know, and we think we want to be that man. And I think there's something noble in that. The problem is we have to realize when I try to be the hero, I fail. And then there's something inside of me that's fighting against itself because there's what I wish I was like and there's what I end up being like. And it can start to tear us up internally. And then we start to hide it. We say, well, this is what I wish I was like, so this is what I'll project to other people. This is what I'm really like. I don't know what to do with it. I'll just try to push it back here and hope it fixes itself. I don't know. Because I'm a hero. I'm, a, I'm strong. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this. And we think refusing help is a sign of strength, but often it gets us into more trouble when we believe that we need to be the one to save ourselves. In fact, for me, this is one of the things that makes the the epic story that God tells about the hero Jesus Christ so compelling. Because all other religions in the world are going to tell you, save yourself. They may tell you there's a God. They may or may not tell you that he loves they certainly won't tell you that he's fighting for you because you can't save yourself. And, and so we hear and we can slip into this thinking that I've, I've got to prove I'm worth saving. I've got to do something to show God that he should save me. Or I've got to save myself, clean myself up, become the hero so I can present myself to him as something worthwhile. But that's not God's story. You see... Jesus is the hero of the Bible who is willing to fight for us because he loves us even when we can't save ourselves. In fact, the hero's loving sacrifice turns us from enemies to allies. That despite our betrayal, like some of those great betrayals in the stories of history, like Helen betrays her people and all of Greece, Like Edmund in Narnia betrays his own brothers and sisters and the people of that land and sides with the enemy, the white witch. He believes her more than he hears the truth. And yet the hero's loving sacrifice turns us from enemies to allies. Look at what it says in Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, We shall be saved by his life. You see, what it's telling us here is that despite our betrayal, we can be reconciled. Now, we haven't really spent time on on what that betrayal might look like. Well, the reality is for Satan, for that enemy, it was pride. It was the fact that God said one thing and Satan wanted to do something else. Boy, doesn't that sound a little bit like us? Because we doubt God's heart, we doubt what he says, we doubt if he's even there, and we certainly don't want someone else telling us how to live our lives. We've all felt that a little bit, at least probably when we're teenagers. (laughs) 
And we push back against his love. We, we push back against his heart. Partly because we're afraid of the commitment that he might ask for. We're afraid of what he might ask us to do or not do. And in this is our betrayal. But when you read a verse like this, when we were enemies, have you ever thought of yourself as God's enemy? Probably not, right? You ever wake up on a Tuesday morning and say, I'm just really going to take it to God today. I'm going to show him what's up. I'm going to fight against him all day today, nine to five. That's what I'm doing. Probably not. (laughs) And yet here it is, (laughs) right in the pages of the Bible, it says that we were his enemies. I think it helps me when I read something like this to to think about it a little bit this way, because I'll be honest with you. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about myself as his enemy either. Until I realize what he means by that. You see, I know that in my own life, there are standards that I don't meet. My own standards. Things that I wish I lived up to that I don't. And I'll bet, like me, all of you can point to times in your lives, if you look backwards through the past, and there are things that you wish you did differently. And sometimes it's, it's two good choices. You pick one, it doesn't work out. But I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds by saying that I'll bet there are things in all of our lives that we know we did something wrong. I know that there are things in my life that I have done wrong. Not just mistakes, but bad things. Things that might be called evil. Things that if I could go back, I would not do that again. Because that doesn't live up to the standard I really want for myself. And if we're willing to accept that, the reality that none of us are perfect, that all of us have those things, big or small, that we wish we could change because we just know they just weren't right, well, then it's not such a leap, is it? To think that God's standard might even be higher? And it's not such an insult from him or from the Bible to think that if he's real... If he wrote this, if he said this, it's not such an insult or a leap to think that he might actually agree with me on some of those things. Yeah, that, that should have been different. That there may even be other things that he wants to show me that I wasn't even thinking about that he would say, and really this should have been different too. But here's the thing. What he's telling us is that even though we were enemies, we can be reconciled. It can be different. Right, that this is his heart for us to win us back. Not by force, but by romance. By love. That we don't think of God as someone who is just waiting for us to prove ourselves and then he'll decide if he loves us or not. But because he loves us while we were still his enemies, he came to reconcile us to his, himself. This is what the sacrifice was for. In his great love, in his kindness, in his mercy, in his incomparable grace. Jesus died to save us from the enemy and from ourselves. From every time we've given in to temptation, greed, anger, the battles we lose on our own that he wants to win for us. And in Matthew 22, Jesus describes his heart this way to his followers. It says, he called them to himself and said, The Son of Man did not come to be served 
Now that's a phrase that Jesus uses to refer to himself because it fulfills a prophecy that was spoken about him. And he says he did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many, to pay the penalty for all those things that we wish we could change, for which we deserve the death, but he paid it for us. Did you think about that moment? Isn't that what a hero really is? A hero is not in it for himself. A hero is in it to save, to serve others. In fact, I found this incredible quote by a tennis player named Arthur Ashe. He was a champion uh, in the tennis circuit. He's the only African-American man to ever win the singles at Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, and the Australian Open. And he realized as a champion, he felt like a hero, and yet there had to be something more to his life. And so he became a civil rights activist. And, And this is something that he said, that true heroism is remarkably sober. It's not nearly as exciting as the movies make it look. It's very undramatic because it's not the urge to surpass all others at whatever cost, but the urge to serve others at whatever cost. I don't know if Arthur is a follower of Christ, but I'll tell you that sounds like the heart of Jesus, to serve all others at whatever cost. But there's one more thing here about the hero. Because if the hero was willing to die for us, well, that's a sacrifice. But if the hero stays dead, that's not a victory. If the hero stays dead, then the enemy has won. But the hero rises to give us victory. The hero rises to give us victory. And I'm going to show you another clip from Lord of the Rings here. Massive spoiler alert. Gandalf comes back. Sorry, sorry. I should have given you longer to plug your ears, but <laughs> but I want you to watch this scene because I think there are moments in here that probably reflect the way Jesus' followers felt when they met him after he had died, after they had seen him buried, and even though he told them he was going to rise again, they still had such a hard time believing it until they saw him face to face, that the hero had risen. I think you catch some of that in this clip with Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Let's watch. I want you to notice something in that scene because I think it helps make sense of the earlier one as well. You see, when we think about what Jesus did for us, the sacrifice that he made, I think the reason that Gandalf lets go is because he knows it's not enough just to run away from the enemy. It's also not enough just for him to die. The first time I saw that movie, I'm like, probably could have pulled himself up, right? (laughs) Keep running with them. Don't make them cry. He knows that the enemy has to be defeated. In fact, I think, just me, you notice in that first clip, the whip gets him around the ankle. I feel like this might be a reference to Genesis 3. That though the enemy will bite his heel, the hero is going to crush his head. You see, whatever you believe about God sitting in this room this morning, this is what God believes about you. You are worth loving. You are worth fighting for. He wants to fight for you to win your heart. 
He wants to know you in such a way that it is not just rules, it's not just religion, but it's relationship between you and the God who created you. And, and look at this, what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, speaking about Jesus' resurrection. I love this because it displays that this was God's plan all along, that when he came here in the flesh, in the God-man, Jesus Christ, this is why. It writes, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, okay, really dead, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. According to scriptures like Genesis 3 that said that this is why he was going to be here, that this is why he would come like every hero in every movie who fought for for every person that he loved to bring them freedom. This is how Jesus would fight for us. This is how he won because he did not stay dead. But he conquered death to give you life. He loves you. He would rather die than live without you. That's why he did this. That's the core of Christianity. If you come in here this morning to say, I'm not sure I understand all of it, would you tell me what it is? It's this, that God so loved the world that he died, that he made the plan to do this for us, and he rose again to give us victory. Later in that same chapter, it says this, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory that he won is a victory for us. Whatever you are facing today, whatever the battles are that you feel like sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, whatever you are facing, God is the stronger hero. Often we don't see the enemy Sometimes we don't see our hero either. But if you put your trust in him, if you answer that question, is God trustworthy, you say yes, then he will fight for you. See, the enemy wants to hide behind everyday frustrations, temptations, situations. The hero wants to shed light on all of it to set us free. When you feel too weak to have patience, the hero will battle for your heart. When you feel too tired to resist temptation, the hero will battle for your heart. When you feel like a victim, when you are a victim, when someone attacks your character, when you can't handle the situations that face you, when you try and try and fail and fail, the hero will battle for your heart. So here's something that I think is worth trying. I don't know if you've ever tried this before, but if you try it this week, there are so many moments in life, in the temptations, in the situations, in the frustrations, that we feel like we have to grip tighter, that we have to hold on tighter, that the, the only thing we can really do is try to get control. Can I give you another option? Relax a little bit. Release a little bit. And like so many in movies who need a hero, just for a moment, 
try. Help. A one-word prayer that says the heart of God might be trustworthy after all. Ask for help because the hero will always come. You know, John Eldridge tells this story beautifully. He's an author who describes the way that God just wants to romance our hearts to win us back. And he summarizes it this way. He says, The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth answer once and for all the question, What is God's heart toward me? At the point of our deepest betrayal, when we had run our farthest from him and gotten so lost we could never find our way home, God came and died to rescue us. You have never been loved like this. He has come to save you in every way a person can be saved. That is God's heart toward you. And that's not the end of the story. Next week, we'll find out more about how he wants to win our love to give us life now and forever. Because Jesus battles for our hearts to give us victory. Let's pray. Jesus, it might sound strange to call you hero. Even as it can sound strange to call you Lord. Even as it can feel strange to really say of ourselves, what would it look like if I gave up my life to this God who says he loves me? Lord, I know every single one of us has to answer that question in our lives. If, if we think you are there and if we think you are trustworthy. Lord, I pray that here this morning we might hear your heart for us through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just I know I've had to, to experience this in my own life, and I pray that uh, even here today for hearts of men and women in this room, there might be a little more understanding, a little more clarity. Lord, not that we're argued into something, not that, that we talk each other into it, but God, that we just see the way that you want to win our hearts. For this we thank you, and we give you the glory. In the name of Jesus our hero. Amen. I want to thank you all for being here this week, and I want to invite you back next week for part three, our epic conclusion. Thank you for coming.